You are listening to Beltway Beef. I am Max Moncaster, your Associate Director of Policy Communications for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And today we're going to catch you up on all things lab-grown fake meat, which is why I'm joined here with Danielle Beck, our Senior Director of Government Affairs. Hey, Max. So, Danielle, obviously everybody's getting back in the swing of things after the holidays, um, but want to get from you the big picture on where things stand with fake meat. Can you just first catch us up on where everything is and what the big picture is on this issue in 2019? Uh 2018 was a very busy year when it comes to all things lab-grown fake meat, Uh, and we concluded the year on December 26th by submitting comments to USDA and FDA in response to their joint public meeting on the regulation of these products, as well as their announcement that both agencies had come to an agreement uh, where there would be a dual oversight Uh, where FDA oversees the collection of the cells, the cell lines, the cell harvesting, and USDA oversees the day-to-day production and the labeling. Uh, Moving forward, we're going to continue advocating as this memorandum of understanding is negotiated out between both agencies. Uh, But, you know, at this point in time, there are still more questions than answers, and there's a lot of work to be done. So what kind of things do we talk about in our comments that were really important for FDA and USDA to address going forward? I think the first thing that we communicated in our comments is the fact that NCBA firmly believes that the term beef should only be applicable to products derived from livestock raised by farmers and ranchers. Our producers are proud of their rich legacy and the fact that beef is what's for dinner. Um, You know, they work hard each and every day to produce the safest, uh, most affordable, you know, most delicious protein out there. Uh, And and we want to protect that term moving forward. Beyond that, uh, we made several requests. There are a lot of unknowns about these products. Uh, And when it comes to consumer safety, USDA and FDA need to put consumers and safety first. Uh, We we ask that these products be made available for testing. Uh, They should undergo comprehensive safety assessments prior to market entry. Uh, And then we also asked uh, USDA to conduct a a comprehensive survey uh, of consumer understanding about these terms. So can you talk to us a little bit more about the, the testing and the hazard analysis that you that we would like to see? So one thing I'm seeing a lot is some of these companies saying basically the, the risks are well known, um, the products are you know not going to be all that different from conventional meat. So what kind of specifics are we hoping to see and why do you think that's so important? While the purveyors of these products say they're completely safe, uh, the scientific community has not reached a a consensus on that. Um, You know, at this point in time, there are a number of different inputs that are used in the process that um, may not have been used in other food production technologies previously. Uh, All of those inputs need to be, you know, assessed on their own. But then the end product also needs to be looked at to, you know, determine whether or not it's safe for consumption. There are a lot of claims about, you know, the potential presence for cancerous cells in these tissue samples, um, the unknown nutrients and chemicals in the cell growth medium, whether or not antibiotics or antimicrobials are being used. Um, these are all really important questions about safety, and they need to be vetted fully by both USDA and FDA before any product makes it to the market. That makes a lot of sense, and certainly consumers deserve that type of oversight, and they need to understand all the risks that are associated with these products going forward. On the labeling question, you mentioned the consumer survey, and obviously NTB has taken a strong position that these products not be labeled beef. What kind of benefits do you think the survey would bring? What these products are called is going to mean a lot moving forward, and consumers deserve to know exactly what it is that they're buying in the grocery store. The product labels and packaging need to provide consumers with adequate information. Uh, but, you know, there are several surveys out there that indicate um, 
you know, varying degrees of understanding about what, you know, terms like clean or in vitro or synthetic mean. Surveys that have been funded by, you know, the vegan activist community, they say that clean is the best term to use, whereas Consumer Union, uh, their survey recently indicates something completely different. Uh, Having a government-conducted survey eliminates the potential for bias that exists when, you know, privately funded surveys are conducted. You know, depending upon how you phrase a question, you can absolutely influence the outcome and the answer and response that you're getting. And so, you know, having something that's done by a a scientific-based, you know, non-biased, sort of non-partisan entity like the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, will bring a degree of credibility uh, that I think is much needed in this conversation. Do you feel like we're in a good place with some of these other groups and with the government in terms of getting those issues addressed? At this point in time, it's still very much a work in progress. I think that, you know, initial agreement between USDA and FDA is a step in the right direction, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, we would prefer that USDA and FDA refrain from finalizing any agreement until these products have undergone significant testing and sampling. One other element of the the process besides the regulatory is the legislative angle, and NCBA last year was pushing really hard for language in fiscal year 2019 appropriations bill that would have clarified and designated USDA as the primary oversight authority. Now, this new framework pretty much has USDA in charge and on the primary aspects that we care about in labeling and food production. Do you still see a need for that appropriations language? Are we still pushing for that? And what's the status there? You know, it, it would be great to see USDA and FDA continue uh, moving forward in their memorandum uh, in a way that satisfies all entities. But, you know, in the absence of statute, there's always going to be um, opportunities for lawsuits and whatnot. And so, you know, moving forward, we would still really like to see that language maintained. You know, there had been several changes to the language over the year. Uh, at the final version just codified essentially what was in that, uh, you know, announcement between USDA and FDA that they had come to an agreement. So moving forward, we're still going to continue having conversations. As you know, the government is in day, what, 14, 15 of a yeah, shutdown? Yeah, second week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, too long. Um, but whether or not that language is included in whatever FY19 bill comes out, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to continue having conversations about FY20 and beyond. Well, and I know a lot of producers were really engaged in this issue in 2018. A lot of them filed comments in response to the FDA and USDA's um, solicitations. But any final words for producers on how they can stay engaged in 2019 and what they should be looking for going forward? You know, at the end of the day, beef producers are not afraid of competition. Uh, And, you know, they're not anti-science at all. We've got a longstanding history of embracing, uh, you know, innovation and innovative technologies uh, as it benefits our own production methods. what we want to see is a fair, even playing field moving forward. And so continuing to communicate the benefits of traditional beef production, real beef production, uh, be it environmental or health, uh, are it's really important. And then beyond that, you know, as members are, uh, you know, NCBA members are getting to meet their new members of Congress uh, because we have a whole bunch of new faces on Capitol Hill, um, making sure that they communicate the importance of having um, some sort of appropriations language, ensuring that the agencies are doing what they're, they've committed to do already in their announcement. Um, those are all really important. And so just continuing to communicate is the best thing uh, any beef producer can do that's invested in this issue. Daniel Beck, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Max, and happy 2019. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat lots of beef. Make sure to visit our website at www.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter 
at Beltway 